Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Uh, did I tell you to turn somewhere? First Corinthians? Yep, First Corinthians chapter 9. I, I want to read this to you. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says this phrase. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Let me read it again. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. I, I, I think one of my, one of the things that I'm sober about in life is that I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize as I look back that what I spent my life on didn't really accomplish anything. That what I spent my life on was shallow or not as meaningful or what I spent my life on didn't really hit the mark. I I, I think whatever age you are, you should live with this sense that when I get to the end of my life, I want to be able to look back and know that I actually hit the mark. When Paul's writing the church in Corinth, it's interesting because he's not making the distinction between somebody who isn't running and somebody who isn't boxing. He's not saying, okay, I was going to send this to him, but I'm not. He, he's not saying, listen, I am running compared to people that aren't running, and I'm boxing compared to people that aren't boxing. He's saying, I'm running compared to somebody that's running aimlessly. So he said, I'm running, but I know where the finish line is. I'm not running aimlessly. He said, I'm boxing, but I'm not just boxing the air. I'm actually hitting the target. My main concern, and something I want to challenge you with today, my main concern is that you can spend your entire life running and never actually cross a finish line. That you can spend your life with great activity and never actually hit the mark. The concern is not a lack of activity. The concern is the wrong activity. Paul's not concerned with lack of activity. He's like, come on, guys, we got to get up and run and we got to box. He's saying we need to make sure we don't run aimlessly and we need to make sure that we hit the mark with what we're doing. That your life at the end would be able to look back and say, I knew what the finish line was and I knew what the mark was. And because of that, I wasn't just busy. This is one of, my, I, this is one of the things I live soberly with. I don't want to look back and go, I was busy, but I didn't actually get anywhere. I was full of activity. I just never really hit the mark. But the only way, and Paul can, if you read the letters of Paul, you understand why he can say this. But one of the things that you have to wrestle with at whatever age, obviously there's a lot of young adults in here, then there's a lot of people my age and older. But, but one of the things you have to wrestle with as a believer and as a Christian is you have to be able to answer this question. What does success look like for the child of God? What does success look like for the child of God? We are in an environment that is trying to communicate and disciple us to what success looks like. You are surrounded by a world that is trying to disciple you into believing what success looks like 
from a world standpoint. But Paul says, listen, I didn't didn't miss the mark and I, I didn't miss the mark and I didn't miss the finish line because I knew what success was. If you don't know what success is in the kingdom, then how are you going to hit the mark? If you don't know what success is in the kingdom, how do you know that where you're running is actually the right direction? Okay, I'm going to need you to do your best American impression as people with me, all right? How do you even know where to run and what to hit if you can't define what success is in the kingdom? And so Paul says, listen, I, I know what success is. And you should be able to answer this question. What does success look like as a child of God? At the end of my life, how will I know? Um, my daughter's FaceTiming me. Um, she's, she's 24. She'd be right here with us. It's Mother's Day. I'm missing Mother's Day. So they're all like, uh, let's see, let's see. Uh, hey, I'm in a service right now. Can you see me? Yeah, I can see you. Can see me? No. Say hi to everybody. <laughs> can I call you later? Sorry. <laughs> Love you. Um, what does success look like for the people of God? Let me just say this, and I don't know if you're taking notes, but if you are, write this down. Kingdom success can only be... Um, can only be determined through the lens of eternity. This, here's, here's, where I, here's why I would speak this to a predominantly young adult group. Because you need to set your life up right now for the end. You need to set your life up right now. For when you're 95 years old, sitting on your porch, overlooking some field or wherever you do, like, and just, you got to set it up right now. But you can't actually determine success apart from eternity. What I mean by that is is we're all called to bear fruit. John 15 makes it very clear. You're called to bear fruit. You're called to bear a lot of fruit. But you're called to bear fruit that remains. The mandate on a Christian is not just to bear fruit. It's to bear fruit that remains. It's to bear fruit that lasts. Which means this. You can't actually determine success in the kingdom apart from longevity. Will something last? I'm not even talking about, I mean, we're talking about eternity, but let's just start here. We're talking about in the next 20 years. As preachers, many times, I'll just put it in my world for a second. Many times for preachers, we're constantly trying to measure, or pastors, we're constantly trying to measure, like, how things are going. So it might be like, they're going to say, hey, how was the service tonight? And, and I'm going to do my best to kind of like give some explana- explanation. Hey, the room was full and there was hunger in the room and it was in this cool little alley space. And, you know, I'm going to try to give some explanation. But do you know the reality? Do you know what the actual answer is about how this service goes tonight? They'll say, how was the service tonight? I don't know. I'll tell you in 20 years. I actually don't know. I don't know how this service is going to go because this service isn't about short-term fruit. If this service is actually bearing fruit in 20 years, what a great service. If it's not bearing fruit in 20 years, then this sucked. It wasn't a good service, right? People ask all the time, how is your sermon? And like, I don't know. I don't know how my sermon went. Why don't you know? Well, because I, I need fruit that remains from it. 
I just, you need to understand this because we live in a very, very short-term right now concept of, of life. Social media, everything else has made it. We're like, I, like, I, I got to know right now. How'd that post do and what's going on here? And you got to get this. And it's this very like success looks like now, but success in the kingdom doesn't look like now. It looks like in 20 years. Focus on what will I be talking about in 20 years? In 20 years, when I am 67 years old, Dang. <laughs> when I am 67 years old, what I'm doing right now, will I be talking about it then? Will it actually matter? Okay, not just 20 years, but take it to this, eternity. Because here's the reality. The reality is, is that the Bible's very clear, and it may not feel like this, but the Bible's very clear that this life is a moment. It's a moment. The Bible describes it as a breath a vapor, it describes it as grass that grows quickly and withers away. It's also clear on this, that one day you're going to stand before God. If you want to live with what success is as a child of God, if you want to be able to determine that, you have to know this. You will stand before God one day. And if you are a follower of Jesus who has accepted the work of the cross, if you have accepted the forgiveness that Jesus offers and the blood of Jesus has washed you clean from your sins, you will stand before God righteous. You will not have to give account for your sins, but you will have to give account for your life. And I try to live with this concept. I ask myself two questions quite often. Is this going with me into eternity and will Jesus even ask me about this? See, the world's trying to define success to you by the money you make, by what you accumulate, by how famous you get, by what position you get, by the house you buy. These are all the things that the world's trying to say. In my world, I'm just going to tell you my world. So I, I've written a handful of books uh, and, um, and in my world, as, as a preacher, as an author, success looks like um, how many books you've sold and what kind of list you make. Are you a New York Times bestseller? How many books did you sell? All that type of stuff. But, but the problem is, is when I'm going to stand before God, I have to ask myself, is he even going to ask me about that? The last book I released was in, um, so if you've ever written a book, Books are like, it's hard to describe, but it's this super vulnerable kind of thing, way more than preaching. Preaching, you know, you leave here and like, do people like you or not? I'm like, I don't know, but you know, they're English, so you wouldn't even know. Um, uh, you know, so, so it's one of those things, and, but, but with a book, you write a book, and it's almost like you just had a baby that you're not convinced is cute. But you really, really need people not to tell you the baby's ugly because it would crush you, right? So you're like, here's my baby. Please don't tell me my baby's ugly because I kind of think maybe, you know. And so you're just like very like, please don't tell me my baby's ugly. I just had a baby. This is just how it feels. So, you have, so, so it's already a super vulnerable thing to write a book. You kind of pour it all into it. Books aren't like a sermon you write. It's 20 years of some life that you've been you know, living and then you're kind of trying to get it all out there. And then when you and when you, when you sell the book, it's immediate feedback. Either people buy it or don't buy it. You know, it's like you you have numbers now tracking whether people like you or don't like you. You know, 
And so, and also when you, when you write a book, it's this very anticlimactic moment because you write a book, you rush to get it done, you turn it in the publisher, and then say, all right, it'll be out in nine months. And then you start working all this stuff. So, so I get the book done, I turn it in in, in, the, in about fall, the end of 2019. I turn the book in, I'm excited about it, I, I believe in the message, we turn it in. They said, all right, we're going to release it June of 2020. I said, all right. And then you just start working on stuff. You're working on social media campaigns and videos. You're going to roll it out and you got all this type of stuff. Well, then the pandemic hits. And so we're like, well, that's okay. That's all right. You know, like, okay, you know, well, it will be over soon or it'll, it'll lift this summer or whatever else we were thinking. And then we kind of get in the summer. It's still going. Well, I thought, you know, I mean, the book's about courage and faith and people need that right now. It'll be all right. We get about, so, so we're about two weeks away from this thing. And all in America, I, they happen over here too, I think, but in America, all of this social unrest and racial unrest, it just explodes over there. And all of a sudden, literally, cities are on fire, including ours in Sacramento. Cities are on fire. It's, all, it's, it's, what, it's news, what they're talking about. It's what we should be talking about. I'm in the church, you know. I, and so, so but, but the book... The book release date, it was set like six months ago. So all of a sudden, we're like just a few days away from the book coming out in June 4th or whatever, 2020. And I'm realizing like, I don't know if we, like, can we, we shouldn't be talking about our book right now or whatever else. Not even because it's tone deaf, because it's just not what we should be talking about. And then a few days before my book's going to release, the world decides to have Blackout Tuesday. Did you have Blackout Tuesday over here where the entire internet went, the, the entire social media went black in kind of solidarity, right? The day my book releases was Blackout Tuesday. Not only were we, and we were not going to really talk about the book anyways, but then it just goes black for one day on, on social media. And I mean, it was like a week later, we never even mentioned the book. A week later, I'm like, hey guys, I got into social media, I'm like, hey guys, I kind of released a book a week ago, and you know, but, but you know, whatever. And, but, but here's what happens. When I stand before God one day, the success of that book has nothing to do with how many people bought it. I'm, I'm gonna tell you why. The success of that book has nothing to do with lists, sales, who bought it. Because when I stand before God one day, success will be determined by two things. And this is what I want to get in with. This is what I want you to walk away with tonight. Success will be determined by two things. Faithfulness and obedience. The only way to determine success in the kingdom of God is these two things. It has nothing to do with the money you make. It has nothing to do with the accomplishments you have. It has nothing to do with your dreams being fulfilled. And I love all of that and think you should have it. It has to do with two things, faithfulness and obedience. When I get before God one day, he is, and when I say, what is God even going, is Jesus even going to ask me about this? When I stand before Jesus one day, he is not going to look at me and say, Banny, how many books do you sell? Well, I mean, God, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but there was a lot of stuff going on, and it was Blackout Tuesday, and it was just kind of, it was a pretty crazy time, and like, we had a whole plan, God. We had videos and social media stuff. We're going to roll it out, but it just didn't feel like the right time, and God's going to be like, excuses, really, you know. I mean, I expect more book sales out of you. 
He's like Joel Osteen. He's, he released a book around the same time and sold a lot, okay? You know what, Joel? Get on in there, buddy. Well done, Joel. He's not going to ask me about it. You know what he's going to ask me? Were you faithful with what I gave you? Were you obedient with what I asked of you? That's it. Guys, I need you to get this right now. You're going to stand before God one day, and he's going to say, were you faithful with what I gave you? Were you obedient with what I asked of you? That's it. And I'm going to bring that book to him, and it may not have sold that much, and I'm going to say, God, this is my best effort at being faithful with the message you gave me to encourage your body, and this was my best effort at being obedient to what you asked me to do. He's going to say, well done, well done. Guys, we have to begin to live with eternity in mind if we're going to be a generation in the church that actually hits the mark and doesn't just run around aimlessly. And here's, and here's where I'm going to really challenge you on this. Part of the problem is, part of the problem is, is we, we are so impressed. Okay, this is where you're going to have to filter a little bit of the American side of me. We are so impressed with things that Jesus isn't impressed by. He could care less about how many people know you, about likes on Instagram. Like, he, like, like we're, we're impressed by that, especially in America. We are so impressed by fame, and we are so impressed by numbers. Like, we have associated... Uh, success with numbers and fame and accomplishments or whatever else. They have, um, would you guys know uh, uh, Rich Wilkerson Jr. over here? Rich is a friend, love Rich. But Rich um, has uh, kind of was, was, probably still is, Kanye West's pastor. He married Kanye and Kim Kardashian. You ever heard of them? Did they make it all the way over here? Do you only pay attention to your royals? <laughs> so Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, and he married them. But, but when, when Kanye, this is kind of when Twitter was even a little bit bigger in, in Instagram. Kanye had started coming to his church and coming around. And um, Kanye mentioned Rich in an interview he did. He was just in an interview and he said something like, well, my pastor, Rich. All of a sudden on Twitter, I saw all these young leaders reposting that interview, like so blown away and so impressed. They're like, oh, this is incredible. Like Kanye, like, you know, mentioned Rich. And it was this whole thing. And I remember just kind of seeing this thread happening so grieved. Not that Rich was doing what Rich is called to do, and there's a, there's a handful of guys in America that the Lord has really opened up, kind of the celebrity world and the athlete world and the finance world and the, and the fashion world has really been opened up, and I'm so grateful for that. We need believers in those spaces, right? We need believers influencing that stuff. But what was so concerning for me was this, was how impressed we all were. Everybody was like, oh, man, that's like next level. And I'm like, when did we get to the place where we believe next level Christianity 
is knowing a celebrity. Like, when did that happen? We're so impressed by it, though. We think it's amazing. This happens all the time, guys. Chad Veach is a really good friend. These are all good friends. Chad Veach is a good friend. Chris Pratt goes to his church, and, and, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, this is like a... And I'm like, guys, listen, I love that people are coming, but, but here's the reality. Can you imagine God one day? Rich gets me, you know. Can you imagine that I stand before God one day, and God goes, Banning, what celebrities did you mentor? Because uh, Rich... <laughs> Kanye, Kanye, yeah. God's like, I got all his albums. What do you got? Like, what do you got here? What do you got? I'm like, well, God, I, you know, I grew up in Reading. You know, I'm like in Sacramento. It's not like that. You know, it's not like L.A. And God's like, I don't know, like nobody. And I'm like, I don't know, like I, I knew the guy that did the local Ford commercial. Like, you know, it's like, nah, I don't know. You know, like he's not going to ask us this. We're impressed by things that God's not impressed by. You know, we act like somehow somebody that, that has a lot of likes or has a lot of follows or, or, or has a lot of money is somehow more impressive to God than the guy who sells everything to move to India to sit with lepers so they can be loved you know, we th and has no Instagram following. Listen, you're going to have to shift your perspective and say this, God, what I want is to be faithful and obedient. I want to be faithful and I want to be obedient. And if nobody on the earth is impressed with that, that's fine. It's what moves your heart. Can I share? Can, can, I'm going to tell you this. I, I, I'm convinced that what moves the heart of God that almost all of what moves the heart of God is done in secret. We live in a society right now that everything is public. Like, did you even read your Bible if you didn't post about it? Right? Did you even spend time with God if you didn't make a post about it? No. No. It doesn't count, right? The, the, the point is, 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 is that in, in social media that's trying to make everything so public, God says, you know what moves my heart most? The things that are done in secret that nobody even knows about. I had a, uh, I, I, I had a, um, I was, when we first planned the church, we planted a church about nine years ago. I came down to Sacramento and we brought like seven famous worship leaders with us. And we brought a bunch of people. And so the church grew very quickly. And we were at three services at this high school in this performing arts theater and and, and I showed up to church one Sunday, and it was just a great Sunday. It's like everything just kind of landed, was dialed in. Worship was great. Services were full. Lights were dialed in. All this stuff, right? And my sermon was just money. It's not always, it's not always, but like that Sunday, it was fire. Like it was just good. And so in the middle of the, ser in between services, I'm out just kind of talking to people and this lady walks by, probably early 50s. I hadn't met her before. And I said, hey, how are you? I'm Banning. I'm the pastor. And we kind of started talking. And when I talked to her, immediately she's like apologizing and a little bit sheepish. And she says, hey, I'm kind of new here. I've been coming for the last few months. We have like a, 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 a new, a, like a, a big, like a, 
newcomers kind of three-week course, you know, to kind of get to know the church. It's called Elements. She says, I went to the first Elements. I haven't been back for the others. She said, I have social anxiety. It's pretty hard for me to be around people. She says, I've been coming to church, though, but I just haven't gone to Elements again. And she was, like, apologizing about it. And I just stopped. I just said, oh, don't even worry about Elements. Well done coming to church. Well done doing that. My wife's kind of dealt with anxiety, so I just kind of said, oh, I get it, man. My wife's here. I just, well, I'm so cool that you're just coming at all. I just took a minute to love on her. I took her back to this green room we have, kind of for volunteers, introduced her to some people. It was five minutes. If It was five minutes. Go back, great Sunday. Worship, crowds, lights, sermon, just good. I'm driving home. I got about a, a you know, 15-minute drive home. And as I'm driving home after church that day, I kind of just turned my heart to the Lord to connect with him. And you know what the Lord began to speak to me about? You know what the Lord mentioned to me? He did not talk to me about the crowds that came. He did not talk to me about how good my sermon was, and it was good. <laughs> he didn't talk to me about how great the worship was and how cool the lights were. You know what he talked to me about? He talked to me about that lady. And he just said, Banning, thanks so much for taking some time to love on her. He said, thanks so much for taking some time just to let her be known and seen and connect to her. And he said, thanks for doing that. I think I'm more, I'm more and more convinced that we, you know what I want to do with my life? I want to find out what moves the heart of God and then just go do that. And I'm convinced that what moves the heart of God, most of it's done in secret. I'm not saying that nobody knows about it. But most of it, almost all of it, you can't post on social media. I, while I was loving on that lady, I didn't stop and say, hey, guys, come here. Come on, take a picture of this. <laughs> I, am, I am loving on this lady right now. Take a picture and post it. Like, it's just like, like what really moves the heart of God is you, you really I can't actually post on social media. But when I stand before God one day, he's going to care about faithfulness and obedience. He's not going to stand before me and say, man, so all those people that came on that Sunday, that was awesome. He's going to say, thanks for being obedient by loving on that lady. Thanks for doing that. We need to live our lives like that. We need to be impressed by that. We need to be impressed with what God's impressed by. We need to be impressed by people who are faithful, by people that are obedient. We need to be, be impressed by people that love well. Like that, that's what should, in the midst of a tabloid culture, in the midst of a social media culture, in the midst of people being so impressed and so interested in all that stuff, we've got to raise up a generation in the church that says, you know what moves my heart, the things that move God's heart, and that's faithfulness and obedience. And what we are after is long-term fruit, yeah. not after short-term fruit. I'll end with this. When I was probably, uh, I was probably 26, 27. You guys, you guys know Judah Smith over here? I haven't been here in four years, so I don't know. Did things get over here, you know? So, so Judah, he was, he was a couple years younger than me. We had him come speak at a Jesus Cultural Conference. He, he wasn't where he's at today, but you could tell he was like an up-and-coming, like this guy is an up-and-coming speaker. And he was already phenomenal. He's just an associate youth pastor, but such a great communicator. And I'm probably 26, 27. He was maybe 25, 24. 
And uh, so he speaks on Friday night, and then I'm going to speak on Saturday morning. And he speaks on Friday night, and it was just phenomenal. It's everything you want. I mean, it was just, it was funny. It was powerful. It was convicting. It was revelatory. It was just the whole package, right? And then at the end, he's given words of knowledge. He's like, somebody in here I saw last night. You had a haagen bar. You ate it. You threw the wrapper away, and then you went and threw it up. Who is that? And this girl's like, that's me. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh. And we're like, wow. You know, like, it was just a powerful moment. The next morning, I'm going to preach. And as a preacher, one of the things sometimes, sometimes you're confident in the word that you're going to preach. Other times, you, you're not at all. Like, you just, you just don't feel confident at all about it. It was one of those, I didn't feel confident about my sermon. So I'm sitting in the front row, and I've just, I, I just got my, I've got my face in my hands, and I'm just like, oh, God, oh, God. You know, everybody's like, ah, oh, look at Banny, just a heart for a generation that they would encounter God, just an intercession for young people. And I was just like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And I said, please don't let me suck. Please don't let me look like a fool in front of Judah. Please don't let me suck. And, I, I, and the Lord spoke to me. I mean, this is now 20 years ago, and it's something that still marks my life. He said, Banning, he said, you have a choice. He said, you can be a preacher or you can be a son. He said, if you choose to be a preacher, you'll be good sometimes. Other times you won't be that good. He said, but if you choose to be a son, you'll be great all the time because you are a fantastic son. And I just said, Lord, can I be a preacher this morning? <laughs> I didn't say that. And I, I just realized, I just said, God, I just want to be a son. I just want to be a son. This is what moves the heart of God. I want to be a son that's obedient. That's it. I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to be an author. I don't want to be a leader. I, don't, I, I just want to be a son that moves your heart. That's it. And you know what's crazy is, is, is whatever it is, when, 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 I, when we get off the stage, when we go home, the Lord doesn't talk to me about the sermon. He's not like, hey, great sermon, man. Way to make fun of English people. That was funny at the beginning. He's not like, way to start it out with that, and I really love the story about that. He just looks at me, and he'll just say, I'm so, just so proud of you as my son. You're such a good son. Thanks for doing this. He, he talks to me as a father to a son, not as, not as a boss to a preacher. And, and this is the position that we want to be in, is that I just want to be a son who's faithful and obedient. This should be the marker on your life. I just want to be a daughter who's just faithful and obedient. I just want to be a son who moves the heart of God. This is success. It does not matter what the world says. It does not matter what the world's culture that's gotten into the church says. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how many homes you have. I don't care what kind of promotion. I don't care what kind of Instagram following. All that, I, I, I pray you get it all. Actually, I don't. I, I, I pray you get what the Lord has for you. <laughs> But, but the reality is, is this, none of that will matter when you stand before God. The only thing that will matter when you stand before God, was I faithful and was I obedient? Did I spend my life 
being faithful and obedient. Will I be able to say like Paul says, I didn't run aimlessly and I didn't fight, I didn't box the air, not hitting anything. I hit the mark. You say, what's the mark? I was faithful with what God gave me. I was obedient with what he asked of me. And because of that, there is long-term fruit that's happened in my life. And the world may not be impressed by it, but I don't care if the world's impressed. I don't care if the, I don't need the world being impressed by me. I need Jesus to look at me and say, you're doing a great job, son. Thank you for being obedient. If you can shift this, there's a level of freedom that comes in your life when you'll get into that mode. Let me pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. I think we've already gone over. I don't, I think, but you know, whatever. I'm only here tonight, so where else you got to go? What's happening tonight, you know? Can we just take a moment? I, I want you just even before the Lord on this thing. I, I want you before the Lord just, if you could even just make that thing, where like, Lord, I just want to be a son or a daughter who is faithful and obedient. You, li, listen, guys, when I was 27, it was hard to imagine that I would be 47. The people in this room that are my age and older, we all say the same thing. Like, it's like when you're 25, you're like 45. I don't even like, but you're going to be 45 one day, and you're going to be 65 one day, and you're going to be 85 one day. You have to begin to live with that in mind. That when I'm 85 years old, I don't want to live, I don't want to look back and realize I spent my life but never really ran anywhere. I spent my life but never really hit the mark because I didn't even know what the mark was. The mark is faithfulness and obedience. That is the mark. Faithfulness and obedience. Comparison comes in when you don't think that's the mark. Comparison comes in thinking you're supposed to be like, you're not supposed to, be like somebody else's mandate is not your mandate. So like faithfulness and obedience, that's it. And so Lord, I pray, even here in the UK, that you would raise up an entire generation, young and old, that has clearly defined what success is. That isn't running aimlessly, that doesn't have a lot of activity, but isn't hitting the mark. Father, we just commit to this. We want to be sons and daughters who move your heart. We want to be sons and daughters who find out what you're pleased with, find out what you're applauding and applaud the same thing. We want long-term fruit. Honestly, just take a moment with the Lord on that thing. And whatever age you are in this room, just, take a, just begin to get that thing to say, Lord, I want to live like this. Not all, listen, most of you in this room are not going to be called to be preachers, but whatever that thing is where the Lord would say, you know, you can be a businessman or you can be a son. You can be somebody who goes and makes a lot of money or you can be, you can be an influencer or you can be a daughter. You can be whatever else it is. All right, I'm going to turn this over, but let me just pray real quick.